Radio. Jason. What? I've been getting ready for this episode. I've been partying for 23 hours. Wow. Are you still partying now? You're talking to me, but... No, I party for 23 hours, because just like the movie title. I, I'm pretty sure the movie is 24 hours. <laughs> well, I couldn't do another hour. <laughs> Brendan, are you okay? Brendan. Brendan, come back to me. I can see time and space. That's good. That's good. What do you see? Do you mind if I take a quick nap? Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, while Brendan takes a quick nap, uh, I... Oh, uh, okay. Oh, feeling better. Oh. That was great. Hey, oh, welcome you. back, man. Oh, that was a nice... That was a power nap. Yeah. I just powered through that nap. So... What do you got? What do you got? Our guest today, Brendan, is a... I don't know if you could call him an old friend. I don't know if he's actually been on the podcast before, but uh, he did want to stop by and say hello. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Oliver Twist. Oh. Hello. Oh, yes, wow. Yes, hello, gentlemen. It's me. It's Oliver Twist. Oh. It's good to see you. Is this a pre-recorded message? He's not responding to me. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I, di- I, didn't, I didn't hear you. So, oh, oh sir. sorry, sorry. The, qu- the quality was so good, um, Mr. Twist. Is it Mr. Twist yes. or Lord Twist? Uh, it's uh, Mr. Twist will do. Okay, uh, the, the quality was so good on on, on this uh, hologram appearance. Uh, I don't know Ooh. why you decided to come via hologram, but I appreciate it. But I I just assumed it was pre-recorded. I apologize, sir. Well, uh, I, I think it has to do with the fact that as a fictional character, I'm not actually dead, so I oh. need to be projected. You see, for to oh. appear on the podcast. Yeah, I know they weren't. Uh, I wasn't getting many bites at Republican HQ, so this is uh, this is what I got. So are you here to tell us about how your favorite interpretation of your character is from a little orange adorable cat? No. Oh. Uh, my uh, reason for being here is I wish to talk about prison. You see. <laughs> oh. As, okay. As a boy, you'll remember I was in a workhouse. Yep. Yeah. Um, I was quite poor. Yes. I, I if you remember, I I often asked for more. And you said please, though. I did, because I was always taught to be polite, even when I was an orphan. You had a hard-knock life. I did, I did. But as you'll remember, I I, I sang a bit, and then I was adopted by a family uh, who was quite wealthy, Mm. who took me in and were determined to turn me into a gentleman. Um, I think that's a different uh, film, Mr. Twist. Wasn't that what happened? What happened to me? I think you're thinking of Great Expectations, uh, Mr. Well, well, certainly. That, I believe that was inspired uh, by my life. No, Oliver, you 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 seem to have a uh, you seem to have a, a character amnesia. Um, okay, well then you 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 tell me what happened to me. You, you after I was in the workhouse, and then I thought I ended up with a rich person, Mr. Twist. You you fell in with a group of uh, of thieves, children thieves, led by Fagin. Remember? Sure. Yes, I did. I did. But after that. Well, after that, you just ended up staying with someone. <laughs> I did, and they were quite wealthy, if you'll remember. Yes. Yes. Well, that didn't last, you see. A oh. week after I got there, they, they dumped me back into the street, and I ended up in prison. Oh. 
Yes, I was there for quite some time. In fact, I just got out last week. I'm, <laughs> I have an actuary's degree that I earned in there. Oh, okay. But uh, you, you, having watched films about prison, I must say that uh, made me the man I am today. And I think that the, each one of the gentlemen in these movies is a bit of a crybaby. And that perhaps they should uh, uh, shape up or ship out. Okay. Did you have a... Did you have what like I'm a... saying is that if they don't like being in prison, they should just leave. Oh, were you given that option? I didn't need to take it. I embraced my uh, wait a second my rehabilitation. Wait a second. Did you escape prison to come here? Look, the, the, the whens and the whys of the paperwork are unnecessary to discuss. I'm just here to let you know that prison made me the man I am today, and I don't want to hear a bad word about it from members of the IRA or just random toughs off of High Street. Jason, you need to get him out of here. He escaped prison and he came here. No, I mean, he he's he's a good guy. He's he told me he told me he got out and it was all cool, man. But I I say that sounds like a European siren, so I must go. Well, thank you for coming, Mister Twist. Uh, we appreciate you. I mean, I'm not maybe the hottest fan of your movies, but uh, well, no, the, 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 there's that siren. It sounds like it's something is very sick. I must go. Goodbye, Oliver Twist away. And then the hologram disappeared. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing that police car blew up. Yeah, I mean, that was convenient. He's He's got a, quite a head start. I'm so. assuming an IRA uh, attack happened in the middle of that. Here. Here in Canada. In Canada. In IRA New Brunswick. Attack. Yes. Yes. In 2023, an hmm. IRA... <laughs> uh, must be Finians. Hmm. Yeah, must be. Finney, Finians. Uh, my name is Finian, and I love to fight. Wrestling reference. Got it in. Oh, that guy. That guy. <laughs> it was Finley, but close enough. Jason, uh, that was a lovely visit from uh, Oliver Twist, but I feel like Republican Heaven is just messing with us now. Yeah, no, I'm, they don't. Uh, they, they, they're, 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 they're losing interest. I think. Somewhat. I'm just, I'm just gonna say this. Been talking with some people in Democrat hell. That's all I'm gonna say. That's oh. all I'm gonna say. Could okay? spice things up a bit. It's just, just, just. I think we need to form a coalition, uh, a union of sorts. Perhaps right. uh, an assembly, uh, a magistrate, uh, a confederacy, if a you confederate. Will. Wait a second. <laughs> That's just a form of government. No, no, I th- I don't feel like the confederacy will help us against Richard Nixon. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. But Jason, I'm going to work on this. I, I I will see to the fact that we. I am going to build us a union to go okay. up against. If anyone uh, enjoys those wrestling references, this will be our union of people you ought to respect, Shane. And Nixon and the Queens will be the co- the corporation, of course. Well, they're sort of a, a, a world order of a newer type. You're right. They would be the corporate ministry. Yes, the Ministry of Corporate Order, the MCO of the VKM. <laughs> right. I love the MCO. So many good movies. Um, <laughs> this is a podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. And this is a podcast called For Screen. And Country. And Jason, we talk about British movies, if I if I am correct in saying so. That's been our main task throughout the long existence of this podcast. And we are almost coming around the bend here on this new list we've been tackling, the Empire Top 100 British Films list. We are going to put together a super British list. That's right. Of, we, are, of the, we are 
We are doing, Brendan, what the BFI is too afraid to do. We are updating things and we are giving Britain the list of the top 100 films it so deserves. And what better way than two white Canadian fellas to tell That's the right. British where they ought to go? That's right. It's uh, We've been told too long by our colonial overlords what to do. Now it's our turn. It's our turn, baby. Throw that tea into the ocean. Oh, wait, we're doing that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's symbolic, Jason, okay? But yes, that is what we are doing. So this week, we are continuing that course that we have set sail on, and we will talk about a film called 24-Hour Party People. But before we do that, we need to read some comments from our listeners, from the people, from the world, from the universe, regarding last week's movie, which was, of course, Starred Up. And comments we will read Comments, reading, reading the comments. Jason, start up. Comments in our mouths, out of our mouths, into your ears. Podcast comments. Uh, thank you, Brennan. So, sorry, uh, Jason. I um I couldn't come up with an intro for this, so I actually just asked ChatGPT to write me one, and that's the best. That was thirty-five takes, and that was the best one. See, I don't even believe that. I believe you just made that up on your own because Chad BGBT, for all his flaws, would say something coherent, and that what? wasn't coherent. I don't know what Chad BGBT is, but uh, is that the new the one? newest version. Yes, oh, okay. that is absolutely the newest version. I'm uh, I'm working on it. I can't say much about it, but I'm working on a deal. You're working something. on it. I'm working on a deal. I'm, I might be the face of this if we can work it out. I, I'd like to download a Chad GPT program with your. Oh, sorry, Chat with Thank your you. with your face welcoming me. That's my goal. Yeah, absolutely, welcome to Chat It's me, Jason. I'm on your screen. Check out my beard and bald head. Aren't I friendly? You know what? My favorite thing about your company. My favorite thing about yeah. your company is that no one can say it the same way twice. That's right. That, and that's. That's that. No, I just want to say that that's the marking of a successful company. If you can barely say the name and people don't remember it, that's the key to success, my friend. Well, that's the thing. When people say, what was that company? You know, that nobody can say they're talking about you. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, fuck you, Smergiberg of Norway. Uh, our first comment, Brendan, comes from Sharon Horwat, who writes and she's. She's just great, isn't she? She's wonderful. She always writes in, and today she gets the first slot. Sharon says, This is a really great debut for Jack O'Connell, and the director's next film, Hell or High Water, is also excellent. Go in knowing absolutely nothing about it, because it's even better that way. Well, I can say, Brendan, that I went in knowing nothing, and Sharon is correct. It was, a, it was, it was enjoyable. Well, as especially, far as prison movies go. I especially liked not knowing anything because I also would have just assumed that, or I, I did assume that the uh, inspirational aspect where he's in the group and everything getting therapy was going to eventually change him and that he was yeah. going to form this bond with the therapist and everything. So if I had if I had known that that wasn't the direction it was going to go in, I wouldn't have been as surprised when it didn't go in that direction. I mean, even argue there is some change, but it's very, it, it like it's very subtle, and it it's not it's not what you would expect in terms of a conventional, you know, uh, uh, prison to reform kind of story. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some by the numbers, uh, cliche slash tropey things, but not as much, not not as aggressive, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jason, our next, our next comic comes from Ian Smith, and he simply says, a typically great Mendelssohn performance. Well, you always like seeing the man on screen. Yeah, the Mendelssohn. The Mandalorian-son. That's the guy. He's uh, bringing back somewhere. Uh, the, the, the Bandalorian-son. 
the band Mandalorian. I'm thank done. Thank you. All right, we got that. Ian, thank you. Thank you, Ian. Ben Mendelsohn, fantastic. Our next you, comment comes from... You got a second from... eye in your name, Ian. It's it's risky, but I like it. Too many eyes, Ian. Too many eyes. Wow. You got three eyes if you include the one in Smith. I didn't, so... Change that Y to an eye. Drop that second eye. Leave yourself with one eye. That's all the eyes you need. I just pictured you getting real sassy and saying, drop that zero and get yourself a hero. <laughs> Captain Planet. He's a hero. You know what he's going to do? He's going to take pollution down to zero. Jason, that quote was from Cool as Ice, and you started singing Captain Planet. Yeah, because they're from the same era, and I've never seen Cool as Ice. Forgive me. That's crazy. Correct I'm that. sorry. I'll dig my laser disc out and watch it sometime. The next time you lose a bet, you better watch out. <laughs> uh, Brendan, in our next comment, another shorty comes from our old pal, Lawrence Egbert. I don't know why I said that. I don't know if we've read a comment from him before, but Lawrence says, one of my favorites of the year. I think it's really special. Now, yes, you Brendan. Or Brendan. Yes, Lawrence. Yes, Brendan. This you is were, a special film. Were you saying he's like one of the shorties or that his comment was short? Uh, well, both, really. I mean, he oh, is, okay. I mean all, all these folks are, are I, I have to say, if I'm giving a shout out to all the shorties, these <laughs> folks are included. Okay, cool. Um, all right, well, our next comment comes from Corey Buckler. And Corey says, maybe it's the Skins fan in me, but Jack O'Connell is in my top three for the next Bond. The other two being Daniel Kaluuya and Dev Patel. That would be pretty cool, I got to say. Dev Patel, I think, would out of the three of them, would be my, would be my pick. He's got you know, that I think suave. We should get, can we get Dom DeLuise to play James Bond? I think I've, we need a comedic old bald James Bond. I've got some bad news for you, Jason. Why? What's going on? Uh, he's out of the country. Oh, oh. And the planet. You might say, might say he's he's uh, in a foreign country because he's in the past. It's different there. It's extremely different there in that he's still alive. You might say he's in a box. No, yeah. You put a guy in a box, it's hard to get him out. <laughs> That's Dom DeLuise in a nutshell. Help, get me out of this nutshell. How did I get in here? Yeah, Dom, we miss you. And our final comment, Brennan, comes from our old pal, Sergeant Charger Williams Holt. We salute you, sir. Thank you for your service. Startup in 71 rightfully put Jack O'Connell on the map 10 years ago. In Startup, we get a prison drama that go, nearly goes as far as the as Hunger or the 1978 classic Midnight Express. It's more of a in-the-name-of-the-father type film, that's a DDL classic, mm. uh, for a 21st century audience, but it's damn bleak. There's the father and son dynamic, but there's no happy ending. As with this prison, as with prison life, there indeed rarely is, and that realism is what makes this movie great. Again, again. Thank <laughs> you. No, that was that was our editorializing. Uh, he just is what make, makes the movie great. I just assume the sergeant charge is a big fan. Um, yeah. yeah, no, no. That I've never seen in the name of the father actually, uh, but it looks like a DDL movie that would be quite good. Yeah, I mean, it's about, hot take uh, Ireland. Hot take that there's yeah. some DDL movies out there that might be I'm pretty good. Kind of surprised that one didn't make this list, but I'm wondering if maybe Hunger was the movie that made it instead. I'm a little surprised too because I mean there are movies on this list and the BFI list that you could say are Irish films and not British films. So I'd have to look it up. Perhaps in the name of the Father was not financed by British interests. Oh no! Although I'd be surprised. Definitely was. Mm. Definitely was. Um, yeah. So thank you everyone for those comments. We get it. It's not a widely seen film. We don't hold it against anybody that they haven't seen it. But if you need a good prison film to watch, you can't really go wrong with this one. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, In the Name of the Father, directed by uh, Jim Sheridan, who is an Irish playwright and filmmaker. So, I mean, it definitely mm. was 
an Irish film. Although Perhaps Jim Sheridan... Did the play that this movie was based on? I, I gotta say, though, um, despite me saying that, Jim Sheridan did direct also uh, Get Richard Die Tryin', so, which is not an Irish film. <laughs> what? <laughs> he did. What is this, who is this guy? Uh, what's that dude from Wild Mountain Time? Like, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know you're talking so he, about. Is he another one of those with this kind of very? Oh, career? John Patrick Shanley. Yeah, John Patrick Shanley. Like, just does this guy just try to do everything and anything? No, he's just got like one weird blip because the other American movie he did was uh, Brothers about Tobey Maguire and uh, to- um, Topher Grace, Tobey Maguire and Jake Gyllenhaal, um, which you know it's an American movie, but it's still pretty much close to what his kind of style. But then, it, just the one blip in the middle is Get Who Richard Dietrich. <laughs> Maybe 50 Cent was a really big fan of In the Name of the Father, and he comes to him and he's like, look, man, I want you to direct this movie. I love In the Name of the Father. He was like- DDL, can we get DDL to be in my movie? And DDL was not down. He- DDL, DDL wanted, uh, maybe wanted to go too far for the role. Well, see, and, DDL, uh, DDL wanted to shoot him nine times for real. Nine and times for 50 real. Cent, 50 Cent was like, I already been through that, brother. Don't need it again. Don't need it again. I mean, it's a movie. We, we Have you tried acting, dear boy? He's like, yeah, that's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> 50 Cent, a real Lawrence Olivier. He also said, look, I like what you did with your foot, but I mean, uh, you know, that's, we're actors, bud. We're, In this movie, like, you need your right foot as well as your left foot. He, and he's like, we're actors, bud. And, and DDL looked at him and said, we're actors? And D- Daniel was so upset that he just left the set, never came back. And apparently Jim Sheridan is going to co-direct a movie about a historic Native American legal case. Anyway, do with that what you will. We've answered comments. We've answered comments. We've read comments. We've addressed comments about Startup. But now it's time to move on, Jason. We need to talk about this week's film, and that is, of course, 24-Hour Party People. Get ready to party. In a day there are 24 hours In a day there are 24 chances to party To party all the day That's what the day is for The day is for partying all the time Yes, It's a party time. So we ask you to talk to the 24-hour party people and tell them that you're here to party. Party all day. Party people. 24 hours. Party. Ah. Sorry, I was just taking a quick little siesta there. Yeah. Uh, well, th- thank you, uh, David Bowie, for that theme song uh, for 24-Hour Party People. That's the name of the movie. That's the one we're going to be talking about. Jason, I thought this movie was SLC Punk when I started it and was uh, confused when Matthew Lillard was nowhere to be found. That's an extremely different movie. I know, but the, the, <laughs> the, the covers both looked very punk, so for some See, reason... conversely, I always confuse this one with Party Monster. <laughs> yeah, you did ask me if Macaulay Culkin was going to show up, and I said, I don't think so. No, I was so disappointed. we both confused this movie for uh, an, a very different American movie. Two, 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 two very different American movies from each other, let alone That's this right. movie. Um. <laughs> But no, this is 24-Hour Party People. This is a movie directed by one Michael Winterbottom. 
Um, which what is, a what a fancy, fancy, fancy boy. What a very winter bottom. <laughs> very fancy boy. Um, there is an a. Uh, uh, a huge amount of familiar faces in this movie, but I'm just going to yeah. go through some of the uh, the top ones. If you want to name a few other ones, you can. We've got, of course, Steve Coogan playing the title role in this uh, uh, in this movie. Well, he's not playing the 24-hour party person, but he's playing the lead role in this movie of Tony Wilson. And we also saw uh, that real-life person being portrayed in Control, a movie yes. we already talked about. Um, we've got uh, Shirley Henderson as Lindsay Wilson, his first wife. We've got Patty Considine playing Rob Gretton, who is the Joy Division slash New Order manager. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw him previously portrayed by Toby Kebbell in uh, Control. And, of course, Patty Constantine and Toby Kebbell co-starred in Dead Man's Shoes. It all comes back around, baby. We're, we've seen a lot of Patty, by the way. Like he was in Hot yeah. Fuzz, he was in this. He's gonna be in a cup in at least one or two more coming up soon. So he, he's yeah, he's really uh, he's really getting himself into our head. He's like the new Julie Christie. He's he's trying to be. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Lenny James as Alan er- Erasmus, the co-founder of Factory. Uh, we've got uh, Sean Harris playing Ian Curtis, the, Joy, the lead singer of Joy Division. Again in Control, he was played by Sam Riley. This one is Sean Harris. And yes. l- last but not least, for me anyway, I'm going to mention Andy Serkis yes. um, as Martin Hannett, uh, a, a producer, a music producer, who I didn't realize it was Andy Serkis until I read it. And then when I went back and looked, I was like, oh, of course it is. <laughs> so there you go. Anyone else you want to mention in this movie? Yes, some- absolutely. I want to shout out uh, John Sim, uh, who's, who uh, plays one of the members of New Order. Who, I'm assuming uh, Alistair I- Sim's son. No, this is just John Sim. Sim. They could be related. I'm not sure. I can't say they're not. But John Sim starred in one of my favorite British shows, Life on Mars. So I was happy to see him. And, of course, the great, hilarious comedian and entertainer and TV host Rob Brydon, a buddy of Steve Coogan, shows up in the movie as a reporter that kind of antagonizes uh, Tony. Mm. Oh, and and I want to mention a couple others, too, is that uh, Simon Pegg shows up very briefly. (laughs) Fun little just... This is pre Shaun of the Dead too, is it not? It's like the 2002? year, two years before, maybe I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Christopher Eccleston shows up as a, as a as a uh, a guy that's in disguise as a beggar. It's just a very yeah. brief cameo. I I like I had no idea until I read in the cast list that Eccleston was in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, no, me neither. No one had no idea. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. So twenty four hour party people, Jason. I know we both said we said we both thought it was a different movie. Did you know anything mm. about this movie other than the title you'd heard before? I knew the Color Horizon has been goading us to watch it, and so there. Are you happy? Color Horizon um, on Twitter. Yes, here <laughs> yes. we're watching the movie. Okay, we're gonna talk about it. No, but I, I didn't even realize Steve Coogan was in it, and so when I oh, saw wow. his face, I was like, oh, well, I'm in for a treat. You didn't know about you see that's the one thing I did know about this movie. Yeah. I think I think I did know that Steve Coogan was in it and I I was pretty sure it was about like the Manchester era of uh like punk rock in that. I didn't know it was it was from the the I guess we go from like the early 70s, right? Uh kind of like mid to late 70s I would say. But all the way up to the guess. early 90s. But all the way up to well cuz the the club as I understand closed in 97 so Yeah. Yeah, kind of through that whole era. Mhm. Um so this movie uh how would you describe the plot? <laughs> it it I mean really it it's basically kind of the story of that record company and its existence and the influence of Tony. 
what's his last name? Tony, Tony Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. And Factory it's, it's, Records. Yeah. Who's a real guy, and most of these people in the movie are real people that they're portraying, mm-hmm. uh, even if the details aren't exactly. But yeah, it's it's kind of from him kind of getting that idea and working with Joy Division and kind of like founding that record company through the 80s and into the 90s as it goes from kind of punk to new wave to rave music to and then kind of like being at the forefront of the budding rave scene, which, mm-hmm. you know, of course, we know was like one of those stereotypical 90s things. Uh, of course, Tony Wilson, a real person played by Steve Coogan, uh, Tony Wilson, a man that, uh, Peter Hook of Joy Division described as the biggest, uh, cunt in the UK being portrayed by the second biggest cunt in the UK. <laughs> that is great. the quote from Peter Hook. I mean, you can't, I mean, Steve Coogan couldn't argue with that. That's such a fantastic quote. Steve Coogan <laughs> did, um, actually, what's funny is he did actually highlight that quote and then he said, um, but also he did show up for the audio commentary just saying. <laughs> so I don't know if he was that upset by it I would put that on the poster <laughs> why not I could see Steve Coogan maybe being a little difficult though maybe I don't know <laughs> yeah but anyway uh, 24 hour party B. yeah so that's basically what this movie is this is kind of a sprawling actually I would the first thing I would say is this movie the way this movie is laid out is I mean, kind of akin to the music, right? It's kind of laid out in this kind of sprawling, uh, fuck the rules about filmmaking. We're just going to kind of go for it. And, um, we're going to, we're going to have things happen. And then we're going to have Tony Wilson break the fourth wall multiple times and tell us, Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention that this happened. So this didn't really make sense. Cause I forgot to tell you about this. And yeah. he, he'll say like, oh, you know, um, the real Tony Wilson has a cameo in this movie. Like, he's always addressing the movie yeah. as a movie. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's like meta, in, in lesser hands, it would have been very annoying, but thankfully it was not. It's so meta. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it follows his trajectory and, and the different bands he worked with, like Joy Division and uh, to a certain extent was that the name of the band to a certain ratio a certain ratio yeah and then eventually uh, the happy, happy mondays. mondays yeah um so it's it, i mean essentially it, it it's another one of those movies that we talked to we talked about this kind of movie before on the podcast where clearly the assignment was we want a biopic of this guy because i think the 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 idea was a biopic of tony wilson yeah and the filmmakers, you know, Michael Winterbottom said, that's boring to me. I'm going to do this. You know, it's going to be kind of a biopic. But as Tony Wilson even says in the movie, I'm a minor character in my own story. Yeah, he's he's the he's the axis upon which this movie is built. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's just he's there to drive everything forward, really. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting movie. This is yeah, because it's not really a biopic at all. It's. It's an impression. It's a. It's a. It's a vibe. It's a feeling. It's a. It's trying to kind of show what that time was like mm-hmm. in Manchester and and the uh, you know for Tony and kind of the excitement of it all. It's not. This is not a historical document, as they point out in the course of it, where they have that one scene where his wife is fucking a guy in the bathroom and he's like, uh, whatever. And then they kind of pan by and then there's a guy standing at the counter, a janitor, and he's like, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't remember that happening. And then he goes on to explain that this is the real guy who's uh, fucking his wife in this scene who says they didn't fuck. 
Yeah, this is the real guy saying this scene didn't happen, so we, we just wanted to make sure we told you that he said this, <laughs> but we decided to go for artistic license and they but they say print print what's the term? Print the legend or something. Print or like the legend. Something yeah. like that, yeah. yeah. So if, if we're gonna go with anything, we're gonna go with the legend. So I mean right away the movie is like, ha ha ha, we got around the artistic license, this movie is inaccurate, uh section. Which is funny because I remember when we talked about control, we read about um I think it was Peter Hook again, but it was someone criticizing control for like making up some shit about the band and then saying, But twenty four hour party people did it like even more, like yeah. even worse. But I'm but I'm watching this movie and I'm like, well, control though presents itself as like this is this yeah. is true. This is a real biopic. This is a real story. Whereas this movie is very open about the fact that we're taking creative license. We're yeah. not uh we're not the be all end all. Uh we're just this is just a movie. Yeah, so I, movie, I don't th- I don't know if you could take it to task as much in that this regard. This is a movie where I think being an entertaining film is its primary objective beyond everything. I mean, it, it definitely wants to show Manchester and Tony's life and the kind of effects he had on people and all the people that kind of came through his uh, through his stead. But whereas Control was, yeah, Control was a movie. Control was like, it was like Oscar kind of stuff. Like, they're making a serious biopic about Ian Curtis. And that works in that way. But this isn't that. This is something totally different. This is just yeah, it, it, cinematic candy in some ways. Because this is definitely a movie you could put on at a party and just have on in the background and people could enjoy. Well, just for the visuals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for the visuals and the music and all that stuff. How how familiar are you with this kind of era, uh, this 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 uh, genre, I guess, of music? Even this. I era? mean, honestly, I really didn't know anything about Joy Division until I played Metal Gear Solid Five and Level Terrace Apart was in that uh, was in that uh, game. So I. Bow, I, bow, I bow, bow. Nothing. Nothing really. I mean, beyond, beyond what we beyond what, what I learned from Control. But you didn't like the Sex Pistols or anything like that, or I mean, I knew of their existence. The I Clash. Never really... Again, well, the Clash is all right. Well, like again, I knew of I knew of their existence, and I listened to some of their music in passing, but it was never like a scene that I was interested in. The famous '70s punk band, the Beatles. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> those guys. You had to watch out. Those guys were mean. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe <laughs> they were called the Beatles because they would beat the fuck out of you. Oh, okay. I th- well, they, I think they did a lot of uh, they did a lot of double bills with Gigi Allen back in the day. Yeah. Oh, hmm. you haven't seen a show until you've seen John Lennon eat his own shit. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Wait, I don't think Gigi Allen ate his shit, did he? I mean, I mean, it was it crazy. He would cut himself and smear himself with shit that would get in the cuts. Would it be crazy if he ate his own shit? I mean, that that would be a step too far. I think, Jason. I think getting <laughs> look, I've been willing to put up with a lot, Mister Allen, but I'm afraid this is a, a bridge too far. Wait, is this a, is this a meeting after his last concert? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Mister Allen, you seem to defecate on the stage, which you know what, I will allow that. You smeared the defecation into your cuts, which you know what, I will allow that. But then you proceeded to eat your defecation and that is just too far for us here at uh death metal records that's just that's <laughs> that's not going to cut the mustard it's just here. not it's not adhering to the values that we stand for it's <laughs> that is not our that is not the brand that we want to portray um our sponsors are very angry um <laughs> you know mr lube and uh <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh penthouse magazine just yeah. infuriated with us right now <laughs> No, Gigi Allen didn't perform with the Beatles. I I just don't want that rumor to get out there. Yeah. Um. 
so another thing too is okay so and my and by the way my knowledge of it is about the same as what you said i think i knew like you know the most the the, the songs that get played a lot like the yeah. sex pistols like they're they're big hits so like the clash you know like uh what the hell am i thinking of uh, anarchy in the uk that's the sex yeah, pistols right sex pistols yeah. yeah so like stuff like that but like and if you want to get if you want to get a, a a history lesson of this kind of music, maybe maybe ask like my other co-host Nathan because he'll he'll tell you all about it. But yeah, I I don't know a lot. But like I've stuff. never heard of the Happy Mondays before I saw this movie, and I feel like they were a big no. deal in Britain. Uh, in Britain, I don't know if that I don't know if that ever really crossed over here though. That's it. I don't know. I didn't recognize a song that just hit me of like, oh yeah, these guys. Certainly the Pistols, I would say, did. Certainly well, Joy Division. Yeah. The Pistols are foundational in punk, regardless of what you think of their music. They're they're extremely important. Which, by the way, uh, Jason, they address the Joy Division name a bit more than they did here than they did in Control. Yeah, they went straight. They went straight and gave you the explanation of the basically SS brothels for pro- propagating the Aryan race. Yeah, for pure yeah. women that they would rape and yeah, yeah. Well, not well. I don't know. I mean, rape is uh, rape is a loaded word, Brendan. But I think a lot of these women were willing because they were also Nazis. Oh, okay. I I thought it, I thought they rounded them up. Honestly, yeah. No, it was, oh, okay. I, I mean, I'm I'm not saying they didn't do that to people, but I'm pretty sure this was like they they were like you know these these were trying to like get pure Aryan ladies mixed with pure Aryan men to have pure Aryan babies so. and pure Aryan sex. That's right, the purest. And so, then they, they get married, they get their copy of Mein Kampf, and they go about and live their lives happily until 1945 when the world falls apart. And then about 10, 15 years later when they all go on trial. That's right. <laughs> um, Sorry, I was just laughing because you, the way you were saying it was like, now listen, I'm not saying they didn't do some bad things, but, <laughs> but... nobody was raped here, okay? I don't think so. No, but it's 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 interesting how he there's this they actually put a scene in where Tony Wilson is interviewed about this and he says, you know, uh, haven't you heard of postmodernism or uh, yeah. what is what does he say? He tries to come up with an explanation for it. And it was it was something that back then because like the punk movement, a good chunk of the punk movement, a good chunk of its ethos is pissing people off. And back then, an easy way to piss people off was to wear Nazi iconography. And a lot of the guys that did that weren't Nazis. No. But they also then started attracting Nazis to punk, and now there is, I mean, there is a Nazi punk subgenre that still exists. I think there's a lot of them, too, the ones that are still living, that look back on that, and they're not super proud of that. They, that yeah, m- might, have, might have regretted that that was the thing that they used to piss people off, but, uh, you know, what's done is done. But, I mean, that was a common sight back in the day if you wanted to piss off authority to wear... Nazi, because the, because you're talking about a, a generation whose parents fought the Nazis. So right. if you're going to piss them off, why not wear the iconography of their enemy? Like, yeah, it's like it's like they're not it's like they're not seeing what a loaded statement this is because of all the shit that not they also seeing. Were... They're not seeing Brendan. It's not what I said. That's not <laughs> what I said. Um, but they're not seeing that. Uh... <laughs> Jesus Christ, they are not viewing. The, the loaded issue that is a wearing this, like, you yep. know, iconography, because it's not just, you know, haha, we're standing for what you fought against. It's also, yeah, but now you're representing everything they did. I mean, you think about today and, and how, how much more sensitive people have become, have become to, you know, 
minority groups and people that have been through the shit and you think about how bad it still is and you think, well, it was way less sensitive back in the 70s. So maybe white people in those days weren't really thinking about the feelings of minorities. What a crazy thing to say. I know. I know. I know. I, I, I don't want to get canceled for saying that, but uh, I think it's true. <laughs> well, we're going to have to put it into the fact check meter all right. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Ooh, we'll have to check and see what that means later. <laughs> so Steve Coogan playing this real guy, Tony Wilson, uh, kind of another hoop they have to jump over is uh, Tony Wilson wasn't, wasn't a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't think, uh, and and I mean, to the movie's credit, they don't pretend that he was. I mean, he is yeah. a b- buffoon for most of the way. He, <laughs> he buys a thirty thousand pound table. Yeah, I, I don't mean pound like weight. I mean like money, like thirty thousand dollars, whatever. That Patty is. Constantine's character just about kills him. <laughs> right when when they're literally making almost no money, he buys a, a table that costs thirty thirty thousand pounds. <laughs> Um, but he, I, I like that early scene where he uh, he leaves his wife in the uh, bar to go out back and get a blowjob in the back of a van by a hooker. Well, and the <laughs> thing is, he doesn't know where he's going at first, but then yeah. as soon as he finds out what it is, he's all on board. And then yeah, he's there. Even after his wife catches him, they close the door, and he's like, "Oh, you mind finishing me off, love?" Yeah, you know, it's not. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah, I love you. Just gonna let this hooker finish me. And then, of course, he catches his wife, who's who's uh, then making out with anyone she could find as revenge. And he finds her fucking dude in the bathroom and says, well, just so you know, mine was just a blowjob. This is full penetration, so I don't think that's fair. (laughs) All right, see you later, Howard. See you, Tony. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very polite infidelity, very British. (laughs) But yeah, so we we get this guy that we have to care about, or at least... But I don't know if we have to care about him that much because he's a, he's a minor character. Again, he's a minor character in his own story. Like he's the lead of this movie because he's yeah. taken us around. But he's, how much he's shepherding of it is, us through this scene? Shepherding us through this, yeah, this music scene, this era of of music in Manchester, which I'm sure uh, many people in the UK were delighted to see because this is in this movie came out what 2002. Yes. Um, I would assume that people of the age. Of the of the correct age when you know this stuff was going on in the seventies and eighties, you know, twenty years older when this movie came out, they were probably delighted to see a representation of that. Mm. I mean, this movie was released literally five years after the close after the club closed, so it's not yeah. that long. No, I mean to be fair, in nineteen ninety seven when the club closed, I don't think it was a big spot anymore. Mm. No, no, it was definitely past its prime. And as he points out in the movie, the the club while while being a hot spot never made any money. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't sell booze, because everybody was on E, because they had embraced the kind of rave subculture, and most people wanted to be on E. And when you're on E, unless you're a dumb fuck, you know not to drink. Right, which I'm surprised because you'd think there'd be more dumb fucks. Yeah, you, well, I mean, there probably were some, but yeah, no, that's that's a bad combination. <laughs> I talk about the way the movie is shot too, because it's it's you you know what it kind of reminded me of, and I know this movie that I'm about Tiger to mention. Land. Uh no, not quite. <laughs> Why Tigerland? Because it's on digital video. Oh okay. No, I love your fucking reference <laughs> pulls sometimes. No, this reminded me of a movie, and it came before this movie, but it kind of reminded me sometimes of Natural Born Killers. Wow. And like the way they kind of well, it's like spliced together of like sometimes there's stock footage, sometimes there's mm. real life footage, sometimes there's like crazy uh, titles on the screen, and there's like 
weird cuts. Not not like as much it's, as yeah. No, it's dialed killers. back quite a bit. But I see what you're getting at. But it's just like yeah, the hyperkinetic like editing style. This movie. Brendan has the hardest to read credits and title cards in movie history. That is, that was, that was uncouth. And I, I appreciate the style that they're going but for. But it was too much. To, you it's couldn't like read it. really squinting to be like, what the fuck am I supposed to be looking at? And I watched it on a 65 inch TV and I still couldn't <laughs> read what they said. Imagine watching this on VHS in 2002 and trying to figure it out. Man. By the way, that was a flex, a heart flex. Of my 65-inch TV. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. No, congratulations. You should be very proud. <laughs> I am very proud. Uh, we went for a walk in the park today with me and my TV. Um, I took it on a wheelbarrow. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you just had it balanced between your two dogs' backs. Yes. <laughs> and I had it plugged into a um, a, a, a wireless power bar. <laughs> Oh, wireless power bar. That's pretty cool. I'm glad you yeah. invented this uh, world-changing technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, world-changing. <laughs> Nothing's going to be the same after these wireless nope. power bars. Nope. Oh, man. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, the title... I'm glad you mentioned the titles that were difficult to read because as I was watching this movie, I was like, am I just getting old? Like, am I just old to the <laughs> point of, like, I'm like, ah, these kids and their crazy title cards. Like, I can't even read what they're saying. These kids and, and these crazy title cards. This movie was made 21 years ago. <laughs> I know. I was a much younger person then. Yes. But the, we all? The, the, the title cards and, and, like you said, the credits. Like, I feel bad for the people at the end of the movie because the, mm. the credits are not getting read. Yeah. I mean, that's a very small thing to complain about, but like, I mean, people want to see, they like to see. Imagine if your family, imagine if you were like the, the, the gaffer's assistant on this movie and your family went to this movie to see your name in the credits and that's well, what they had to try to read. Well, Jason, I feel like the gaffer's assistant gets a proper credit, but like the people, like the, <laughs> the producers and the writer and the cast don't get like, they get those crazy credits. Yeah, they get the big ones. Yeah, usually, usually gaffer's assistant's not one of the first credits that pops <laughs> you mean, up. You mean they don't include the gaffer's assistant when they do the stylized credits that they spend a bunch of money on? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, there's been a change in policy. They don't usually end with the director anymore. They usually end with, and gaffer's assisted by. <laughs> <laughs> and gaffer's assistant. Gives them a good pay bump having that and. <laughs> and they're usually pre-title uh, as well. Yes. Above oh, the title credits. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger in a Don Jackson gaffer's assistant film. <laughs> a movie, a movie insisted, a movie assisted in gaffing by Don Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah, I go on my letterbox and Don Jackson's been gaffer's assistant like most of the movies that I've watched. <laughs> Dan, Don, one of these days, Don's going to get that big promotion, but he's just, he's not there yet. He's, he's almost there, though. He's, he's got, just about got it. Listen, Don's only 54 years young. He's eventually going to be a gaffer. That's right. And most, he's... most master gaffers don't, don't get that title until they're in their 90s. <laughs> yeah, so this is the credit. We talk about the credits a lot. Um, the cinematography is also, it just feels dirty, kind of, like, yeah. a gr like grimy, right? Like, it's just, yeah. it's not clean the shots are kind of always moving people are out of frame a little bit yeah it's it's i feel like they went with digital video not as a style choice but as a budget choice but in in doing that they're achieving i think a similar effect to what would have been i think the better but more expensive choice which would have been to sh shoot this thing on 16 millimeter because that would have really made it feel more like of the era i would think yeah but, but the digital video does the trick 
for a lot less money and gets, I think, a lot of that grittiness across. Though it does seem a bit weird, a movie set in the 70s and it's on video, but at the same time. And, and it doesn't have, like, blown-out lights, like... <laughs> Like well, I believe they. Specials. <laughs> I believe they shot it on video, but then like put like I mean, a they, filter on top of it to make it look like more. Well, I think that's just the film conversion because I think this movie yeah. would have been converted to film and then converted back to the transfer for video. Mm-hmm. That's why it's got a bit of a blur to it. That's right, babe. Babe. Yeah, and I mean, real footage is included. I I wasn't sure at first, but then I was like. That looks like they're just pulling footage from actual concerts. Like that concert they talk about at the beginning, yeah. the Sex Pistols one where 42 people showed up. Yeah. That's a real concert that happened. Yeah. And I believe that was real footage from the concert at, at times. It was and, funny. And it was funny watching that because it, it made me think of like all the, the shows I went to doing stand-up, like doing open mic stand-up, where it's like everybody in the room are other musicians <laughs> because nobody else is there. Everybody's just there to perform. J- Jason, <laughs> that you know what, though? That's That's... That's how you're going to get your break, though. They're going to yeah. talk about it all the time. They're going to be like, remember right. when Jason McLeod performed in front of 42 people? That's right. And now look at him. He's hosting Saturday Night Live with musical guest Brendan Wall. Well, that's okay. This has really turned into a crazy fantasy. And I come out and I go, oh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. Betty Davis eyes. I do a medley. <laughs> of just whatever? <laughs> uh, Yeah. What of a kind? Hey. It's, it's songs hey, by Cat hey. Stevens and that Cat Stevens has heard in passing. <laughs> right. It's called Cats. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, um, and then, of course, I think it's uh, kind of ties into this genre of music that this this it doesn't really feel like we're starting and stopping. It just feels like kind of sometimes like a collection of scenes and mm-hmm. we're just in this era. We're just kind of watching stuff happen. It's a but it's it's a train that drives forward. It just keeps going. Yeah. Well, um, you notice there was a few scenes in this movie that were also represented in Control, right? In terms of the mm-hmm. Joy Division stuff, because we have that scene in Control and in this one where Tony Wilson signs that contract in blood. Mm-hmm. And then we also even have, you know, unfortunately the the scene where um, the lead singer of Joy Division uh, yeah. kills himself. Yeah, which I had to. I was like, "Wait a minute!" And I just had to reacquaint myself with his death and be like, "Oh, right, because in the in the actual movie and in his life, he hanged himself with the the, the washing line in the kitchen." And in this movie, he just kind of hangs himself in front of the TV, which is understandable for dramatic reasons because it's not a movie about Ian Curtis. So I understand why they don't go into that because for expediency's sake, well, he killed himself. So. Yeah, I mean, I think they still accomplish the same kind of... Well, it's interesting because at that point, the movie... when Whenever they get to something that's more serious, I feel like the editing slows down. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the, the, the film style kind of goes, quote-unquote, normal, yeah. I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And, yeah. um, Jason, I'm just going to say something maybe controversial right now. Okay. And I'm... Color Horizon, apologies in advance. But I... For me... After this scene, after we're about 45 to 50 minutes in, the movie gets to such a high that I feel like the rest of it is go, just goes downhill slowly. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the second half of this movie, and maybe a little bit more, uh, I'm not as into as I was at the beginning. Yeah, I, I think the, the it's kind of a long, long descent kind of at the end of the movie that I, I did want to see what happens, but it's like, the, yeah, it just felt like it was like, okay, now we just, I just want to see the resolution and how this all wraps up. Well, I mean, I just, just 
I guess maybe I just and maybe the style eventually just grated on me after a while because mm. I was enjoying it great uh, and then at a certain point I was like all right I get it <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I I I I got it like it, it did for me it's like the two hour runtime pulled a little bit uh, yeah. on my uh, attention span. <laughs> Well, as we know, every movie would be perfect if it was 90 minutes. I mean, it could have been a good two hours. It just, I don't know. It, it just, uh, it does, it just eventually started grading on me a little bit. Um, I'd like to make a hyperkinetic 90-minute cut of uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. Like, 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 you, like re-edited it as if Guy Ritchie edited it. But you would still keep in that shot of the of the tr- in the distance where he's traveling up to the camera, right? 100%, except instead I'd have a Chemical Brothers soundtrack underneath. <laughs> oh okay. I I just have uh hit him up, 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 rawhide. So you want to remake Lawrence Arabia as a rawhide remake as well, like no, a raw, just that, uh, just, just that one scene, just the song, okay. just the song. Um, I will say though that the movie is pretty funny, especially in the first part of the movie. Um, I do like these scenes that are clearly like Steve Coogan influence because he's you know he's a comedian, he does a lot of improvisation, but mm. um, especially this early scene where they go to a club and the guy's there, the guy there, his name is Tony or Tony. <laughs> yeah. And Tony, it, Tony Wilson, of course, is very off put by this. He's like, well, no, I, I'm Tony though. And then they're going to say, Tony, oh no, no, the other Tony. And I'm going to feel like lesser than, and he's like, well, no, his name is Mr. Tone. And then he goes, oh, well that's worse. Cause now yeah. he's Mr. And I'm just Tony. Is it Mr. Tony? No, just Tony. And then the the great conclusion to that is when he finds that the guy's first name is Don, he like awkwardly calls him Don a couple Don, times yeah. to try to establish All it. Right, see like, you later, Don. Yeah, nice car, Don. And then he turns to the other guy. He's like, I think that worked. I think the name thing worked. <laughs> yeah. just, it, it, it feels yeah. like some. It feels like a conversation he would have had with Rob Brydon on one of their like trips that they do in those movies. You know, just something dumb like that. I haven't this, seen those. This bit. Oh, you should watch. They're they're quite fun. Are they are they actually like a movie movie? I mean, they're a movie in the sense that it's an assembly of scenes that form sort of a story. It's like a travel log more than anything, but it's just them having scenes, talking to each other, and doing bits and being silly. Okay. Um, another bit that they start with that actually did happen for for sure is uh, well, we see a lot of this throughout the movie. It's Tony Wilson doing these interviews, very like, very like, um, fluffy. You know what I mean? Like very like dumb interviews, the kind of things well, that he has to do. Because in the addition to all his other jobs of managing a band he's and, a journalist. Uh, and running, yeah, and running a club, he's also a journalist and he's still doing these sorts of TV stories. Yeah. So, I mean, the opening one is him on a hang glider. Uh, the footage of him crashing is from real footage of Tony Wilson doing this and crashing. <laughs> um and then um, uh, another great one is when he's at a zoo, and that little guy that he's talking to is Kenny Baker, aka R two D two. Oh, that was actually Kenny Baker. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, and, and and then there's a great one later where he's interviewing this old man, and he's trying to he's he says he's yeah. he says he he was on the canals in another century and then first of all he finds out it was 1900 so i guess not technically another century well and technically the, it is though because 1900 would be the last year of the 19th century yeah but i think but i think when he says that steve coogan is very much like oh well yeah. okay i guess right yeah. on the cusp and then he the other thing is when he asks him about the past the guy can barely put words together and he says I, th- I don't think this guy can even stand up well, to be fair to the old man, he asks him a very broad question. He's like, what do you remember? And he's like, well, not very much. 
Instead of being like, well, what was your job? Uh, what did you, you know, like, uh, what did you do as a kid? Like, he's he's a bad interviewer. Well, I know. I, we've established that Tony Wilson is an asshole. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> the, the, this, is, this is another one that just, yeah. you know, goes sideways. Yeah, he's basically doing human interest stories. Um, we also, of course, have a, a very big uh, set piece of this poor pigeon massacre. Yeah, what was up with that? Did they, did they poison the pigeons? So this is based on a real thing. This is the the Sean Ryder of the Happy Mondays. Because um, yeah, Ozzy's got not, Ozzy bit the head off a dove, like or and a, and a bat. I mean, he didn't murder a whole flock of pigeons. Well, and then there's also some debate of whether Ozzy Osbourne actually did that or not. Oh no, he did. But wasn't the 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 animal was dead already though? Wasn't the not? the bat may have been dead already, but the pigeon was or the dove was alive. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, so Sean Ryder, the Happy Mondays, he ends up being like a focus for the second half, and maybe that's maybe that's why part of my interest kind of waned because I didn't really care about him as much. Yeah, well, that's it. That was less interesting to me than the Ian Curtis and the early days stuff. Yeah, yeah, because we see him like you know his the drug addiction and all that stuff, and um, and then you know he's like swinging a gun around and whatever. But yeah, there's a whole thing where he and his buddy, I think it's him and his brother who go up on the roof and poison a bunch of, like, put rat poison in a bunch of bread and then just give it to all these pigeons who then fly away and then just start dropping dead onto the roof. It's horrifying. Yeah, it is. And they have that whole scene where the pigeons, like, dive-bombing them and there's, like, uh, sound effects and stuff of airplanes. And And then we have Steve Coogan, of course, saying, like, but don't worry, this is just a recreation. We didn't actually kill any pigeons. But some people would say that pigeons are pests. <laughs> right. Which I said, fuck you, dude. Don't kill pigeons. It's mean. But yeah, like uh, part of it, too, is, is a weird. It, totally, it gets a, weird, a bit weird because you see them doing all these drugs. And of course, in my typical moviegoer mind, I assume there's going to be some comeuppance at some point. That there's going to be an overdose or whatever. But no, this guy, he's still alive and he's still play, making music. I think, he's, in fact, he's still in this band. I mean, we do see that we do hear that Marvin Hammett played the guy character played by Andy Serkis. We haven't really talked about much yet, but uh, we do hear that he dies. Um, but I think he just has a heart attack because he gets so big that and he's still doing a lot. Like I, I read up on the guy himself and he was doing a lot. He was still drinking and doing a lot of drugs and stuff. So he, it was part of the process. And we see that because he shows up at one point and he's much fatter than he was previously. It's also a, still doing tons of drugs. and. It's also a great um, kind of British comedy moment for me is when he he gets in the studio and he makes them he makes them uh, disassemble the drum kit and he's like let's let's see how it sounds on the roof and they so they bring the drummer up to the roof they put his drum kit on the roof and uh, and then he's like yeah 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 we'll tell you when you we'll tell you when you're done we'll tell you when you can leave. And then you see them later just leaving the studio, and he's still up on the roof just kind of drumming away. Still like, playing away. <laughs> clearly exhausted. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I just feel like after the 45-minute mark, it just, it just kind of it just kind of got less interesting. And I'm I, Color Horizon, look, I'm sorry. Okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Jason, do you have any other big things you want to mention before we get into the bits and the bobs? We'll, do, we'll, we'll talk about it then. All right, well, we're going to take a brief break then to listen to some ads from our fucking sponsors, and we'll be right back. Age, age of radio, radio. (laughs) 
Jason's gonna get some bits and bobs. That means he's gonna tell you about the movie and he's gonna tell you things you might not have noticed. He just noticed because he just watched the movie. He probably watched it today. And Brendan watched it a couple days ago, so he's also got some bits and some bobs, perhaps. But now, here you go. Listen to some bits and bobs in the UK. Don't have a whole lot, Brendan, but uh, um, I like the... So with that Sex Pistols performance, you know, the famous one, the, for the, the there's 45 people at the gig, that there begins the slow clap equivalent of a mosh pit where one guy starts moshing. That's John the Mailman. And then uh, Martin, that other guy, Andy Circus, he starts moshing. And then other people slowly join in. And then everybody's moshing. And that's also a good scene, too, because he that, that does allow Steve Coogan to tell us who everyone is, like who, who each person is. Yes. Um, and I looked him up, and John the Mailman was a real character at this time who was a mailman and was a part of the punk scene and did randomly get up on stage one time and start singing Louie Louie, and he just kind of became a character that did that sort of stuff around the scene. And I love that this movie has one brief scene of him uh, doing his mail route, and he has his outfit is, like, completely, like, punked up. It's got, like, all the, like, spikes in it and stuff, and it's like, wow, did did somebody just have that, or did they spend a bunch of money to make this suit for this, like you know this like 30 frames of film that we saw it (laughs) i feel like they might have tracked it down that's pretty cool anyway because i don't think this movie had a huge budget no i can't imagine i also i do like how at the beginning uh steve coogan literally like he says to the camera like basically listen i'm not gonna stop and explain everything for you i'm not gonna dumb it down um and he's like if this movie is kind of like he's i don't want to spoil it for you but this movie's kind of like icarus and he's like and if you don't know what that is and i don't know read more yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, so yeah, we knew what we were in for because he set it up for us. Uh, we didn't mention well, we did mention a little bit, but yeah, Nazis in the punk scene, bad scene, causing trouble. Don't like them, but also maybe don't name your band after Nazi shit. I get it, but not now. Uh, if you want to keep the oh, oh, did you notice too that um, this dude is smoking pot all the time in this movie? Like I thought. Like, he's smoking pot like people are smoking cigarettes. Like, every time I see somebody smoking, it would be like a cone. <laughs> I'd be like, these people are just smoking weed all the time. They must have really not given a shit, because that shit was super illegal back then, you know? They must have had a high tolerance, too. It might, well, yes, obviously. I mean, Christ, they're just going. Like, I, I, I love weed, don't get me wrong, but the amount they were smoking, man, I'd be on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we- I'd like to point out the sheep herding duck. <laughs> that was great <laughs> again a scene Goal that left. doesn't it's one of his dumb like interviews that he has to do and it's just like it's just so silly it was great oh i'd love to i think that duck would be amazing i'd love to meet that duck yeah um oh he literally at some point says to us he's explaining something and he's like what i'm trying to say is this is the second act and yeah. then the second <laughs> act of the movie begins yeah. like yeah um, we got a, a, a shout out to a previous film because we get a brief a brief uh, clip of the bouncing bomb from uh, Dam Busters. Oh, was it from Dam Busters? I okay. don't know if it was actually. I don't know if it was clip from Dam Busters, but that was the, uh, that's what he was talking about. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Project. I, um, one one part that spoke to me because I share this sentiment with this particular kind of music. But he says that uh, Steve Coogan on one point says jazz musicians enjoy themselves far more than anyone listening to them. Yeah, to some extent, for sure. <laughs> Not but a big yes, jazz I mean, fan. Sorry, it's, it's like improv to that extent. Like, most improv sucks, and that's okay. Yeah. But but most improvers are having more fun doing the improv maybe than the audience is watching them. 
I'm sorry to all you jazz heads out there. Yeah. Ryan Gosling tried to save it, but not for me. <laughs> white white savior of jazz couldn't pull it off. No. Uh, and one my own, one last thing, uh, which is a quote that I love because it's like nobody nobody in their right state says this. Uh, when Steve Coogan says the line, "I'm driving along and I'm driving really well." <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even remember that. Because he, he was hammered, drunk, right? Okay. He's, and he's recounting what happened. He's like, I'm driving, or he's high or something. He's like, I'm driving yeah. along, and I'm driving really well. And it's like, nobody nobody in a normal state of mind ever says that phrase. <laughs> no. Um, I also love how easily he gets swayed into doing cocaine when he's like, oh, that's yeah. a suit's drug. It it it, uh, it kills, uh, it kills talent and creativity. Yeah. And he's like, well, none of us are talented. And he's like, well, okay. And he just doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, there's also a good line about history being a wheel, about how like it, everything rises to the top, but then eventually it comes right back around. And I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like trends in music, right? Well, you can have the punk, the punk genre is up, 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 and then when it's at its highest, you, the only way it can really go from there is back down. It's, it's like genres in movies too. Remember when zombie movies were all the fucking rage and everybody yeah. was making a goddamn zombie movie? Yeah. And at a certain point, people were like, we're sick of zombie movies. But they still exist. They never truly went away. They exist, but, but um, the, the popularity of them go went way down. You know, there's a whole song about this, Brendan. That old wheel will roll around again once more and when it does... It'll even up the score, so don't be weak. Turn the other cheek and don't give in. That wheel will roll around again. All right, so now you can put away your lighters, folks. Thank that you. That was uh, Jason's uh, brief uh, musical interlude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mentioned the, the, the ending where he um, this guy offers to buy his, uh, his, his label, and this is this is true, by the way. Tony yeah. Wilson was like, I actually don't have any worth on this label because I don't haven't signed any any of these people to actual contracts. Mm. And their whole thing is like they can go wherever the fuck they want anytime they want. Like he's getting he at, at, at towards the end he's like reaching out to these bands to get their album to get some albums to get some money because they're, yeah. they're running out of money. And of course, um, the Happy Mondays they they finally send an album, but it's got no vocals. <laughs> And uh, and and they even hold it at ransom at some point, like Sean Ryder does. Um, and like, what did they ask to... for? A hundred thousand pounds. He's like, no, let me handle this. We'll we'll start. Lo- well, no. if we put the offer out there first, so then he like offers him fifty pounds and he takes it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, and then the and then uh, you know, New Order won't record an album. They want to go to like another country to to do the album, and they're like, well, why do they have to go to Ibiza or whatever yeah. wherever they want to go? <laughs> Um, and then, of course, uh, the, the one of the last scenes is where uh, Jesus appears to him in a pot dream. Yes. Um, where he's smoking. Uh, it must be amazing because he's hallucinating. It's, be. it's good and, shit for Barbados. Yeah, and it's Steve Coogan playing Jesus as well. Because <laughs> yeah. our argument is like, well, man, God created men in, in, in his image. I guess uh, you just see yourself when you see yeah. Jesus. And he says, you should have signed the Smiths, number one. <laughs> and the other thing he said that actually got people from this movie in a lot of trouble is that he said uh, Mick Hucknall was garbage, essentially. Like he said, Mick Hucknall was terrible. And Mick Hucknall got very upset at that. <laughs> and Steve Coogan had to apologize to him. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and and by the way, I just want to, since we're doing the bits and bobs now, that's all I have as well. I just want to um, clarify the quote. Peter Hook from New Order described the film as a film about the biggest cunt in Manchester played by the second biggest. 
<laughs> um, a couple other things about this movie. There is a scene where the Happy Mondays leave a meeting with London Records saying they're going for a Kentucky. Yeah. And then we see them later eating KFC. That's actually like a joke on top of a joke because apparently the real life Happy Mondays would say this, like we're going for a Kentucky, but it just meant they were going to go do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they actually got chicken in the movie. So in this one, they get chicken. Yeah. Um, Peter Hook was actually meant to be in this movie. He was meant to be have a cameo as a man who crashes his car after being hit by some of the pigeons that fall out of the sky. Yeah. Um, and then, unfortunately, they they had to on the morning of the shoot they cut the scene because they realized they had no insurance for real musicians to be in, in any kind of like stunt scene. Damn. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's what maybe that's the reason why he was pissed. I don't know. Yeah. Really. Um, uh, Coogan uh, also said, uh, we had a scene with Morrissey snogging Tony Wilson's ex-wife in the back of a car while Tony's trying to be postmodern about it, but Morrissey wouldn't let us use it because it never happened. Maybe it's good he's not in it after all the shite he's been coming out with these days. Yeah. He said, Mick Hucknell stopped speaking to me after the joke about God calling his movie rubbish. He said, Peter Hook had a great antipathy to the film. He said it was the biggest cunt in Manchester, et cetera, et cetera. But he ended up doing the DVD commentary. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, this movie is fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It has an 87%. It says, the colorful, chaotic, 24-hour party people nimbly captures the spirit of the Manchester music scene. Roger Ebert gave it four out of four stars. The movie was nominated for the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, competing against About Schmidt and The Pianist. Um, I don't know how about Schmidt got in there, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, in 2019, The Guardian ranked the movie 49th in its 100 best films of the 21st century list. Wow. And uh, yeah, it doesn't go to the Oscars. It doesn't go to the BAFTAs. Nothing like that. But it is a movie we talked about. So Jason, oh, and it, may, it makes $2.8 million. I don't know what okay. the budget was. Um, but Jason, tell me about the, what, what you thought about this movie overall and uh, if it makes it onto our little list. I like this movie a lot. I enjoyed it. It's a fun watch. Uh, it moves moves by pretty quick, and it's got a great cast, lots of appearances. I think there's a really good argument to be made that this would be a good movie for the list because of its kind of representativeness, because it represents an important era in British music, number one, history, right? Brits love history. But number two, it, it does have such a great cast and kind of uh, contemporary people of the era that it was made, you know, in the early, early oddies. Um, so there's a great argument made for this movie on the list. So it's definitely a maybe for me. I don't know. The, like, I think Control is a better dramatic telling of that era. Um, but this is a much more fun kind of overview of the whole thing. Like, you know, Control is very specific. Obviously, it's about Ian Curtis. But uh, yeah, this this is uh, an entertaining film that I, I highly recommend. But I don't know. I don't know that it would be on my personal list, but there's a damn good argument that it should be on this list. So much like the 2008 Ryan Reynolds Abigail Breslin film, this is a definitely maybe for you. Yep. <laughs> um, I will. Uh, I will just say no, just for the fact that I thought it was fine. Yeah. For a while, and then it just kind of fell off the cliff for me. But I understand what you're saying. It's it's yes. it's you know it's an important part of history and you could check um, a lot of boxes. It does, um, but for me, I, it's just I, I don't I I don't find it good enough <laughs> in general. Fair, Fair. It, like it kind of it's kind of like when I mean it's not really the same at all. But it's like when we were talking about the Killing Fields and uh, way back, and you were saying mm -hmm. like, well, this is kind of an important movie, so you know I think it maybe has a place somewhere on this list. And for me, that's just a movie that's just not 
good enough, I yeah. guess. Um, and that's kind of how I feel here. Like I did, I didn't like this enough to say, yeah, it should be on a list of the 100 greatest British movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, certainly there's ones that are on there that shouldn't be on there. Like I don't, I don't know if Genevieve is going to stay on there, but <laughs> you know, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm going to say no for this one. Um, yep. but you know, good effort, Steve Coogan. Good effort, bud. Maybe you'll make it. Maybe Hamlet Two will make it on a future list. But now we're moving on, Jason. We're not going to spin a wheel because we already know what's coming up um, next week. We are going to talk about Armando Iannucci's film In the Loop. Sounds good to me. Another fine, well, hopefully a fine film from the director of The Death of Stalin and yeah, some uh, political. Was he, involved, was he involved with Veep? I think. I think so. So uh, maybe I don't know, but there are a lot of people in this in this movie apparently that were also yes. in that are also in Veep, um, ah. and I believe this is a uh, a movie based on a show. I believe this was a series before it became the movie In the Loop. I believe um, you are correct. Yeah, and we're gonna have the re- return of our friend Peter Capaldi. So uh, we'll talk about In the Loop, and, and of course, uh, British thespian James Gandolfini. Oh. Um, so we're gonna talk about In the Loop. Uh, next week and uh, until then I'll just say uh, you can find us all over the place we're on all the podcast apps our home base is Age of Radio just go to ageofradio.org slash for screen and Gundra you can find us on Twitter at FSAC pod as in for screen and Gundra podcast and uh, we're on Facebook of course as well just search for us there Jason uh, where are you at? At Jason D. McLeod, that is M-A-C-L-E-O-D. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Hive. That might be my Instagram handle. Check it out. Uh, I believe your your Instagram. Yeah, I don't remember. I think it's just Jason McLeod, is it not? Maybe maybe that's it. I don't know. I, I know. <laughs> haven't logged in in years. You are a master advertiser. That's uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, there you go. So follow him on Instagram because he won't put anything won't up it. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. You won't see it. So that's a great place to follow. I'm an easy follow. Okay, well, we'll talk. We'll we'll talk to you guys. I'm gonna say we'll talk with you because you're not gonna talk back. I'm sorry, guys. You we haven't developed that technology yet. I mean, you you can shout at the podcast if you want, but we won't hear you. We'll try to answer as best as we can. Yeah, we will. Um, but uh, we'll we'll talk at you next week about in the loop. But until then, uh, Jason, I just gotta say to you, God save the king. Will you take this ring? I will. For Aww. Screening Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. We're getting Aww. married. Yay. We're going to get married. We're going to get married. Wait, what's that song that you really like from Four Weddings and a Funeral? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> what was that? Oh, that bad song. Oh, that bad song. Don't remember. They sing his songs of love, but not for me. That's our first dance. <laughs> Bye. Bye.